Hi, and welcome to the third edition of Carolina AGC's BuilderCast. This is Betsy Bailey, the North Carolina Government Relations and Building Division Director for Carolina's AGC and your host for today's BuilderCast. Today, we're going to be learning how one general contractor is changing the way he's doing business during this unprecedented crisis. Our title for today's BuilderCast is Construction's New Normal, One GC's Experience Adapting to the COVID-19 Pandemic. In only a few weeks, everything has changed, seemingly overnight. Our personal lives have been disrupted with school closings and stay-at-home orders. And right now, in North Carolina anyway, only essential businesses are allowed to continue. Although construction has been deemed essential, it certainly doesn't mean business as usual, as you will hear today from our guest. Charlie Wilson, president and CEO at CT Wilson Construction in Durham, North Carolina, is navigating his family's business through the storm. Charlie also happens to be the vice chair of Carolina's AGC board of directors. So he is certainly considered a leader in our industry. Charlie, welcome to BuilderCast. Thank you. So Charlie, what's different today about your business operation than it was say three weeks ago? It's really kind of evolved over the last three weeks as we figured out kind of how to manage this. You know, it started, we were just kind of monitoring as a news story, something happened in, you know, in China and other places in the world. Then about, I guess, three weeks ago, it started getting more real here and we're really starting to see impacts. Um, it got confusing because there were multiple, you know, the city of Durham had different rules in Orange County and Durham County. We were trying to piece together, you know, a hodgepodge of different rules and regulations. Um, we started out with our operations manager, myself, and our CFO. Every morning at eight, we would do a call together or meet here if we're all here at the office and just review what had happened the day before. And do we need to make any adjustments? Did something happen on a job site where there, our superintendents report in every day? And really just, um, it was tough and still is with the lack of testing and not knowing you know, solid answers to is this person who's got flu-like symptoms positive or not? So um, kind of in the big picture and with a lot of help from things we learned through AGC, we really started going down to just the details of what we're doing on job sites with hand washing stations, posters, um, you know, when to send somebody home, started thinking about like, what are the reasons we would have to shut a job site down or part of a job site down, um, keeping a log of who's been on site and not just, you know, we always kind of have the workers' names on the list when they sign in in the mornings, but if somebody visits for part of the day, you know, our safety manager or a sub-safety manager, those kind of people. So when something does happen, we're ready to react. Um, once the state issued the stay-at-home order, um, we got a little more clarity as to what, you know, we could do being deemed an essential business. And um, that has helped a lot, but we're still doing our daily calls. We do at least a weekly call with our whole company because a lot of people just are nervous and scared and we're trying to communicate everything we possibly can. So it's as transparent as possible and let everybody be part of, you know, kind of the decisions we make as we move along. Um, so, and now we've gotten to where we're staggering people on job sites if we can, or and definitely spreading them out. We've got hand washing stations everywhere. Um, the office, we try to keep somebody from accounting and estimating and 
one of the either Rob, Emily, or I here at all times so that we can still function. We've pretty much got everybody else working at home and people here at the office will kind of rotate through so we don't have everybody here at once. So if you had any um, positive cases of COVID-19 on any of your job sites? We have not had a positive test yet. We had um, a superintendent's spouse who was exposed at her job site to a positive case. So we had to basically quarantine that superintendent. But so far we've been, and I, I say we haven't had any positive tests. I'm pretty sure we've probably had somebody on our job sites that was positive, especially in the beginning. If you weren't deemed high risk, you weren't getting tested. So we've had people who had the symptoms were sent home but never tested because they weren't deemed, you know, essential enough to have, have enough health risk to get a test. Right, because they couldn't get the test. Yeah. Um, and you haven't had to shut a job site down yet? We have. So all of our hospital job sites were pretty much shut down by the hospitals. There were um, a few that we have a pharmacy project that was close to being finished and they wanted us to get done. So that one stayed open, but we did have a subcontractor um, on that job site with symptoms that on a Friday, they left Friday feeling fine. Monday, they called in sick. So that job we shut down for three days because it's basically just one room. The pharmacy um, sterilized the site and opened it back up. And then we just had a job. Um, it's an occupied building we're renovating and a occupant of the building tested positive mm. yesterday. So that job got shut down last night. Wow. So you talked about this earlier uh, when you were saying that, you know, the city of Durham has different um, stay at home um, provisions in place, different than what the state has. And um, according to the state, you know, if the local government has stay at home orders that are more stringent, you're supposed to follow the more stringent guidelines. So um, one of the big questions right now is, um, what is essential? You know, um, a construction has been deemed essential in the statewide order, and I think it is in the in the Durham order as well. But how are you evaluating what is an essential project and making sure that you're complying with uh, the Durham order if you're working in Durham and also the North Carolina order? Yeah, so Durham's order is pretty much now the same as the state's with the exception we have to screen everybody for temperature every morning before they start, which we were doing anyway on our job sites. So um, that hasn't been a big issue. The what is essential has been something we've as a company struggled with um, <clears throat> because we do a lot of medical work. That's obviously essential. We do um, low income housing work. That's obviously essential. We're doing a food pantry now that seems essential. Some of our more just standard projects we really had to look at it a job by job basis. Um, we've got some private middle school we're building now. That, you know, is iffy, I guess, in some of those lines of essential. Now that job is just in the footing and foundation phase. So we can spread everybody out. We thought our risk was low. So we're continuing with that. Um, a lot of projects too that may not seem essential. Um, you know, there's also provisions there about stuff that's for the public well-being. And if we stop a project that's not dried in yet for a long period of time and mold develops later, there are you know, a lot of other reasons that 
just stopping a construction job is not safe. And then I kind of our go-to we're now is as long as the city is inspecting it or county, we're assuming mm -hmm. that that means it's essential because they wouldn't perform inspections if it was essential. If we got to a point where, you know, Durham County started restricting what types of constructions and these projects are essential, and they quit, for example, inspecting a new middle school, then we shut those jobs down. We've yet to get there at this point. Okay. Um, for some of those jobs that, you know, like you said, might be a little iffy um, in terms of being, you know, qualified as essential, at least in some people's minds. How are you reassuring your employees that it's it's necessary and safe to work there? Um, well, one, we're doing everything we talked about before to make sure we're keeping the job site as safe as it can possibly be. Um, there's, you know, things we never thought of before that. I heard some a conference call like we're banning food trucks. We weren't doing that, and all of a sudden, you know, it seemed like a good idea, so we did. So, um, really, one, um, there's the social impact. Of, you know, we got superintendents who just say, you know, I got three kids. I'm worried about contracting this at work and going home. In those cases, we're not making anybody work. If somebody doesn't feel comfortable and wants to go home, we're letting them go home. We haven't had anybody do that yet. So I think we've done a good job of communicating why it's important. Not only, um, you know, the job site may not be in a position where it'd be safe to shut it down, but also, you know, a lot of our subcontractors are relying us on us to keep that job going because they don't want to lose their people. Um, and as a company, if I shut a job site down when there's no real apparent risk and that electrician or flooring subcontractor goes to another job, I may not be able to get them back on the job, you know, start back working. So um, for now, everything we're doing, either the stage it's in, we can make it safe if it's one of these jobs that's not maybe super essential, or the building itself is not in a position where it would be safe to stop. And we have not had any employees object to how we're handling things yet. And a lot of that's just, I think, the communication. We all talk about yeah. it every Tuesday morning. Yeah, it, um, well, it sounds like you're dealing with, you know, what would be my next question, which is how do you, you know, how do you deal with employees who may refuse to come to work, but it's that, but you're saying that you're not really requiring anybody to come to work, um, you know, if they feel uncomfortable. And, um, you know, it also sounds like you are, you know, accommodating employees as best you can. Um, does that extend to like uh, if they have childcare issues um, or just, you know, issues with that they're not sick or nobody at home is sick, but rather they're having trouble getting care for someone that lives with them? Yeah, so we're, um, most of our employees now have, you know, it's a, their spouse is working also and they a lot of them do have children so we're just asking people to help us with scheduling of those things so if you know you've got to be home tuesdays and thursdays every week let us know ahead of time we've um had luckily we've had a couple jobs finished recently so we've got almost some extra superintendents we're not really trying to find another job to put them on now we're using them as kind of like a bench so when they need to step in for somebody um, who has to be at home for their family, then we've got people available to do that. We started off um, offering, when we closed the office, we were gonna let people, if they needed to, bring their kids to empty offices, to do school work and those kind of things. 
A few people have done it. That just never really caught on. So I think it's just too difficult for people. But really, it's just you know scheduling us working together with our employees to make sure we got our jobs covered, but we're giving people the flexibility to be home when they need to. Right. Um, are there any um, like new employee benefits that you've added uh, since this uh, all started or anything that you're seeing your employees accessing more um, than maybe they've done before? Uh, the um, telehealth um, is getting used a lot more than it used to. And um, our insurance company has made that available 24-7 now. I think before it was available 24-7. And they are, if you're not signed up for it, because it's an, it's an add-on for our insurance policy, they're for now letting people use it even if they aren't signed up for it. That's good. So um, you've got folks that work in your office, you've got folks in the field. Um, I'm assuming your office folks are mostly working from home, right? Yes. Um, is there any friction uh, between the employees that you know work from home and those that are that work in the field? And if so, how have you managed that? There's been some talk about that and um, it's, it's a tricky situation. I mean, we've got some people in the field like, why is it not fair that we're having to come here but everybody else and work from home? And in the end, what we're doing is trying, everybody has their role in the company and a job to do. And we're trying to make that as safe as we possibly can. So if you work in the office and don't need to be here, um, the safest way you can still do your job is to work from home. If you work in the field, you can't do that from home, but we're doing everything we can with all the guidelines and social distancing rules to make it as safe as we possibly can on that job site. So once people see what we're doing, it's it's made a big difference. We haven't really had a whole lot of those problems since then, but at the beginning there was some grumbling. Sure, and I've heard that from other other uh, GCs as well. Um, so obviously this impacts your relationships with subs. You've mentioned that a little bit all, already. Suppliers and owners are also folks that, that are, are impacted. Um, do you have any subs like refusing to work? Um, and you know, can you talk just a little bit about um, how this has impacted your relationships with the subs and any suppliers and, and even the owners, I guess, in terms of you know whether you move forward on a project or uh, or you know how you proceed on a project or maybe you have project delays. So um, on the subcontractor end, we've had nobody refuse to work. We um, most of all of our subs, their numbers are way down. We have a apartment mill conversion project we're doing that. You know, two weeks ago we had 160 people a day on the job site. Now there's 90. So that's obviously going to impact the schedule. Um, we have had subs request that they be able to work off hours. So we've got. Some subs are coming in on the weekends on job sites and working um, extra hours on the weekends. They can get their full 40, but they feel better doing that just because there's not as many people around. Um, and then on some of our smaller projects where you can't effectively have social distancing with all the trades being there, we're having to have, you know, like the electricians may work Monday, Tuesday, but not the plumbers. And they come in Wednesday. We're having to just stay subs out. Um, obviously, that will also impact the completion date we um contacted all our owners suppliers and you know 
tell them what we're doing. Here's the measures we're taking to make their job site safe. And we also communicated to all our owners, there's really no way this is not going to impact the schedule of your project yeah. just based on you know, the number of people that we were planning on having that would do. And, and we're starting to see some supply chain issues. It's kind of weird things like ceramic tile sluter strips now you can't get. Um, a lot of the hospital healthcare work we do in nursing homes, there's tons of crash rail on handrails that are aluminum extrusions with a plastic cover over. And I don't know where those extrusions are made, but they're in super short supply now too, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of that stuff comes actually from Pennsylvania and they're, they've had a lot stricter shutdown rules than we have here. So, um, and then lead times on things are just increasing also, so. Right, have your owners been pretty understanding about any kind of delays so far? They have. I mean, we haven't had any owners, you know, not understand about the delays and they're willing to give time extensions. Of course, nobody wants to pay the additional general conditions right. <laughs> with those time extensions. So we're just at this point having to, you know, eat that ourselves. Sure. Right. Um, so we've been through this before, I guess, in, in some ways in terms of just um, being in a recession uh, during 2008 and beyond. How do you think that this crisis is different from what we went through in 2008? It's just a whole um, different mindset. In 2008 and 2009, we were scrambling around just trying to find work to do. Now we're kind yeah. of got the work to do. We're just trying to find ways to do it, um, given the new reality of the restrictions we're all under. So it's um, it's interesting every day because um, we don't have anybody who doesn't want to be there doing the work. It's just the only way to do it safely impacts the bottom line of our company and how fast we can do the work. So. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, once all this works its way through, I don't think we're going to be like 2008 again because our backlog hasn't really dried up. Um, it's still there. Okay. Someone's been hunted farther down the road than we would want normally to be, but you know, we haven't had many projects just get canceled. That's good. Yeah, I was thinking about too in 2008. Um, you know, we didn't have the um, you know the financial help from the federal government so quickly you know, that, that people could um, get access to. Um, so it was a really, really long, long recovery. Um, well, speaking of recovery, um, how are you thinking about recovery? I mean, are you um, looking forward, to, you know, forward in terms of months and things that you might do um, when that happens? Yeah, so, um I think the recovery on our end will come back pretty quick. I mean, the things I read now, it's that there's going to be a gigantic demand for warehouse and industrial space as soon as we get out of this, because a lot of this, you know, shipping logistics things may stay the same. Maybe the thoughts that a lot of people are still going to keep ordering stuff online and have been delivered to their house because um, they just it they learned that actually works pretty well during all this so you know that sector is supposedly going to grow a lot um i think you know the fact that the government is stepping in faster and we're getting money in people's pockets 
when it's done, they'll have money to spend. In 2008, 2009, nobody had any money to spend. Um, so I think, I hope we should be in a lot better position when this stay-at-home orders are lifted and kind of get back to whatever normal is going to be, that, that there's demand already there. That we don't have to wait for people to get to where they have enough money to create demand. Right. So um, you and I have talked before about some of the things that that you've put in place, um, you know, during this crisis and things that you're already thinking about that you actually um, might continue to do. What are some of those things that you've put in place now that I think that, you know, you think would be worth um, continuing to do even after all this is over? Yeah, I think um, one, just these video conference meetings it's amazing how much extra time i seem to have now when i'm not driving around to meetings i think that will probably stick I mean, i've been in a lot of meetings where people are like you know we should just keep doing this maybe our weekly progress meetings we do video conference every other week and just come to the site once a week um i, I never would have thought if these meetings could be as effective as they are doing them over video conference um i think um we had always thought there's no way you can work from home in our industry and it be productive. I think there's, especially with some of our clerical people in the office, um, I think that may, was going to change. It may be we allow some people to work from home two days a week or something. There's a lot of stuff that you just have to be in front of somebody, but not every single day. And um, I think it's kind of a, interesting. Some of our People in the office are like, get me back in the office. I can't stand being at home and trying to work all day because <laughs> they got, you know, their kids are all there and everything. And, and some people, you know, they enjoy it and they can get just as much done from home. So I think those two things will be big changes that we see going forward. Right. And I know you're also doing an online um, gym class for your employees. You think you'll keep doing that one too? I don't know about that. <laughs> the people below us in the office building are kind of hating it. I think <laughs> it's a little loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, what lessons have you learned that will help you uh, prepare for something like this in the future? God forbid it ever happen again. But um, what have you learned that's maybe innovative? Um, that um, that you can tell us about that you think has helped prepare you uh, better for another crisis? So I think, um, I mean, this will probably happen again or something like it. Um, next time we'll definitely get ahead of our planning faster than we did this time. I think we did an okay job, but we could have started planning for this a lot earlier. Um, I think we as a company now have learned how to function, not all being together in the same room and building. Um, that's been a big help in, it's, I think it's helped people also, I wouldn't say learn to, but, but make decisions in the field more than they had to before, because it was easy when somebody from the office or, you know, you could call somebody and they could drive out, ride out there. So I think it's empowered a lot of our people just because they've had to make decisions and they've made the right ones and it's been a big help. And then we talked about it before, I think the whole, you know, video conference, you know webcams it's amazing how like most of our jobs now we put webcams up and how much you can see and figure out without having to go out to a site and we've got architects now who don't want for their monthly pay app inspections we just 
FaceTime video, the, a walk around the job site, and they it saves them a trip. So I think, um, I guess the biggest lesson we learned was that, you know, one, we don't have to all be here, and that two, you, we were just figuring this out as we go, and, you know, the rules kept changing, the projections of what was going to shut down when kept changing, and you had to learn to be really flexible. It couldn't be like, well, we're going to make this decision Monday, and this is what we're going to do all week. It was every day we need to, you know, talk again and figure out is what we decided yesterday the correct thing to do. So I think it's made us a more flexible company, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know that, um, you know, now even inspections, they're able to do live recorded inspections, um, which is something I guess was available before, but maybe it hadn't been widely used. I hear that that's going well out in the field. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of lessons I think um, we can all take away from this. Well, Charlie, thank you very much for your time today. Um, is there anything else you want to add uh, before we wrap up? Now, I would um, encourage everybody, um, you know, take a look at the CAGC Facebook page. That's been a big help for us. There's always good information on that. And um, encourage everybody to, you know, that PPP stimulus funding, you know, that is a, a good deal and a lot of money. And I was on a call with somebody, they're like, you know, I almost kind of feel ashamed taking free money from the government. And I was like, well, I'll be ashamed if I didn't take it. <laughs> so I encourage everybody to make sure they're, yeah, they're signing up for that program. Yeah, that's true. Well, listen, thanks, Charlie, um, for sharing your so story today uh, with how, you know, you've you've dealt with the pandemic, um, you know, both with your employees and your customers. Uh, we'll have another edition of BuilderCast available next week and uh, every week to provide relevant and timely information to help our industry navigate through these tough times. Stay safe.